Welcome to Serial Hooked Star Wars. We're your hookers, Chris and Richard. And today, it is always our own division that destroys us. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and at seriallyhooked.com where you can get all our latest info. Make sure to subscribe so you'll have all our episodes coming to your podcast app of choice. And coming up, we have so much in store for you. We have another weekly hook, the season finale of Mandalorian, D&D, and then we have the Serially Hooked anniversary show. So much coming up. I'm so super hyped, but I'm also kind of hyped about talking about this episode. <laughs> we haven't <laughs> strangled each other. It's been two years, Chris. Can you believe it? We haven't strangled it each other yet. Insane. I mean, we also have been in the same place for two years, so that might help. But uh, I mean, we're still doing a podcast together, so that's count for something. And I've right? only rage quit once. Have you? I don't remember that. <laughs> but maybe that's exactly why you rage quit. And with that, <laughs> and with that, yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> I was so happy. I'm so happy. That's your quote for today. <laughs> oh, of course, I couldn't resist. Um, so yeah, Rashad, I want to know. Of course, how are you feeling about this? The penultimate episode of season three of the mandalorian better because there's consequence to what happens finally it doesn't make up for the last few crappy episodes though i i see all this information out there talking about oh my god this is like it's like redeeming everything no it's not it's not Absolutely it is a not. good episode. A lot of things happen. I really like some of the interesting Empire stuff. Love Moff Gideon that he's back. Why couldn't have this been stretched out over the past three weeks? And why are we dealing with this all in one episode <laughs> that kind of feels a little bit weirdly disjointed and rushed and oddly paced and lack of detail and some weird stuff in it, like surviving Mandalorians on the surface of Mandalore somehow without explanation. Yeah. All these little confusing details that I think for me, distract from the goodness of this episode, which I think it, there's a lot of good stuff here. It's better than everything we've seen since episode two, probably, maybe. I don't remember mm -hmm. the details, but um, it's just, it's great to have the energy of Moff Gideon back. We're great at getting more of an actual tease into Thrawn and the inner workings of the Imperial Remnants. So all of that is really good. I love to see it. But... It just makes me think how much better that this same plot without any extra additive stuff could have been much better if it was stretched out and we got more detail into these different working inner workings of how this is all going on. But, you know, here we are. Yeah, I know. I totally agree with you. But let's try to just say that the worst second act of Mandalorian is over. Let the past be the past. And let's, you know, be excited for lies, what lies in front of us. Uh, which doesn't work, but, you know, I'm just trying no, to be optimistic for sure. here. Be positive. <laughs> I love it. I love it when you're the positive one and I'm the negative one. It's I, I I it felt really words it felt really weird saying these words I have to say it's like oh I don't really believe it myself but I'm just gonna try pretend that I do um, but yeah I mean I felt pretty good about this episode as well it doesn't make up in any <laughs> in any way about it that you know 
what happened before. But we have some amazing things. We have some good things. We have some questionable things. We're going to talk all about it. We start off with Kane going to a shadowy alley on Coruscant to talk to Moff Gideon, who's got a new haircut about the Mandalorians. Uh, just, you know, kind of, I don't know, just like clearing up, I guess, that she was working for him all along, which I don't know if there was ever really a question about it. We talked about it briefly. Not really a huge surprise. Your best friend, the probe droid, is back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Love him. Always now when I see it, I just uh, think about how much you hate the Imperial probe droids, and that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> take pleasure in my pain chris i see how it goes i i always do why why else would i keep mentioning uh star wars episode nine all the time uh. um well because dave filoni and john Favreau <laughs> can't stop from steering into the skid right now they're trying to improve something that's already done and yeah. terrible i mean just like decanonize it that's my thing just decanonize the whole thing and let's move on just Let's let's write a strongly worded letter to Bob Iger, is all I'm saying. Uh, and you didn't see the news about Star Wars, right? And the movie announcements that they came up with last week at the Star Wars event in London? I I saw the I, I saw somewhere that there was going to be a, at least one new movie, but I don't know anything about it. Do you want to know? If you wanna tell me something about it. Tell me, okay, after two years, I'm just raising the stakes now. We've been podcasting together for officially two years, unofficially three years. Tell me if there's anything, if there's anything at all, tell me the things that you think I would want to know. Would want to know or just need to know so we can complain about it? <laughs> I don't want to know. Like, don't spoil me just so you can bitch about something that was said. <laughs> okay. There is one interesting movie that I think is going to be quite fascinating to see. And I think you might be on board with it. And mm -hmm. it's not going to happen for another six years. And it's just literally the premise that they put out on there. Cool. Um, James Mangold. I don't know if you know who James Mangold mm -hmm. is. Um, he will be directing um, a movie set like 25,000 years or so before the, the what we know about like the the force about the foundation of the force in the first jedi and stuff like that i think that's really cool uh, namely because i really trust james mangold and i want to get more about like the lore of the force but that's something interesting to me there were less interesting stuff but i will uh, i will um based on your directive chris i will uh, not <laughs> mention some of them oh sorry no the interesting thing is that uh dave filoni is working on a film as well i won't say anything else other than that Okay, that's good. Though you not telling me anything about it also means that it's not. It doesn't sound like it's great. Oh no, it's it sounds interesting. I just want to spoil okay. it for you. Cool. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, I'm kind of now like what you told me about you know James Mangold's movie. Uh, I'm kind of interested in that. I the only thing I'm thinking about is when we were exploring kind of more foundational things about the Force in, let's say, Clone Wars. Those were usually episodes that I really disliked. So uh, let's see how they're going to do that. Um, how many? Mo just just tell me this uh, brief thing. 
how many movies in total did they announce? Is there another trilogy? No trilogy announced. Um, they, mm -hmm. I think they just announced three movies. Was there a fourth one? Um, there was like a conversation about the Ryan Johnson trilogy and Kathleen Kennedy was just basically like, uh, it might happen, it's not happening. We don't know. It's kind of like she was obfuscating, I guess, a little bit. And mm -hmm. other than that, the three movies I think that I mentioned were or that that stuck out to me at the very least were those two and then an unnamed thing I won't say anything about. Okay. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's good that they've been taking a break and have focused on shows, but now that that's clearly established and... And none of these are going to happen before four to six years at the earliest. So it's not something that is coming imminently. It's not going to overload us, I don't think. And I think this, the focus still is for the next three, four years, the shows that have been created, like the Ahsoka show this fall, um, et cetera, et cetera. I wonder, I, I really wonder how much of that was Kathleen Kennedy and how much of that was Bob Iger. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Oh my God. So good. But back, thanks for the update. Thanks for the update. But uh, let's go back to this uh, episode of television uh, where we get a shift in perspective and we have Moff Gideon participating in the Shadow Council, uh, which is just... A ludicrous name uh, so the shadow council has a long lore and history in star wars legends and uh, the name doesn't come out of nowhere and it's referencing the um, remnants of imperial warlords like we saw today that historically was uh, included thrawn and other other characters so th the name i mean i give them a pass on this because this is something incorporated from previous canon mm -hmm. or non-canon i guess uh but previous lore including some of the interesting characters that we see and then um notably missing some of the the key legends characters that are also just not shown on the screen here and uh, not including Theron, obviously there are some others that aren't included so it, it's mm -hmm. it's i mean i'll give them a pass with the name itself um but it obviously it led to a lot of things that were going to come and sorry i completely um cut off your whole thing because i wanted to stand in defense of the shadow council it's 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 fine that's uh i feel like again over two years this is this has <laughs> this is our thing um i you know who can who can blame you for being enthusiastic certainly not me um, so yeah, Thrawn, as you said, is missing and Gideon is not happy about that and calls for new leadership, talks about the Mandalorian threat and gets suddenly, suddenly that's what, uh, unlocks people suddenly giving him all of the resources he was asking about. Next up, we have the Mandalorian fleet arriving at whoa, the Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's all you're going to talk about with the Shadow Council? Are you kidding? You didn't say anything about it, so I thought I was just going to move on. No. Okay. We get some of the most interesting characters. Really interesting dialogue here. So we have... Okay. There's a lot yeah. of questions going on with what is uh, actually going on with Moff Gideon. Is he trying to de... Uh, throne Thrawn and replace Thrawn entirely. You see some of the more loyal remnants of the Shadow Council, and you see the factions within this Imperial remnants come about. You have uh, oh. Captain uh, Pelion, who is um, famous, or, or he is clearly loyal to Thrawn per his Legends canon, but that's a whole thing on the side. Um, Never heard of that name, to... by the way. 
<laughs> I mean, they name him in the show in the Shadow Council. Yeah, I know, but like not about the canon. I mean. Oh yeah. Um, he is in the last episode of Rebels as well, standing beside Thrawn mm-hmm. when he's fighting with okay. uh, Ezra and Sabine and the whole people, all the people there. Mm-hmm. Um, we have obviously uh, Captain Brenda. Uh, ooh, what's his name? His first name, I forget. Um, Huck, General, our favorite General Hux, his father, um, who is yeah. in this uh, Shadow Council as well, working on what is called Project Necromancer. So we finally get the name <laughs> for the actual um, rebirth process or goal of oh sorry the, the the cloning or the rebirth of palpatine so we finally get insight into who is in charge with that and we know mm. now that it's not moff gideon and moff gideon is trying to use pershing and his cloning efforts for something entirely different so this is a really interesting dynamic so we're getting actually we get clarity on whether or not moff gideon is actually working for thrawn and in fact that he is kind of working for Thrawn, but actually not and he's working for his own efforts because he clearly lies to hux and pelion and the whole council about what he's up to on navarro as well and then we also get information and clarity on uh pershing's role in this season with the one episode where they had him his and his mind wiped and we get further um uh further motivations for that process because it is because it's um because they moff gideon doesn't want the rest of the shadow council to actually learn about his own design so this is a the most consequential scene in this entire episode by far and (laughs) one of the most consequential ones in the entire season so i don't think we should just gloss over it because it, it really um delves into a lot of interesting detail here when it comes to this different infighting um, within the Empire. And one of our favorite things is when the Empire fights within itself, because that's what the Empire is, is a flawed organization full of power-hungry people who don't know how to um, go in one direction or swim together. And that's what makes them fall, ultimately. And this is the case here, and we're starting to see that those fractures begin, despite them ending their council with chance of long live the Empire. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was very interesting. I also love the uh, I love the back and forth between uh, kind of Hux and uh, Gideon. Is like I'm not cloning. You. Are you cloning? No, I'm not cloning. Are you cloning? Yeah. And it's like hmm, everybody's kind of like who is cloning, and like that was all almost like a like a little like suspicious. Like okay, who's cloning here, and who knows what. So yeah, I definitely really enjoyed the kind of high politics view of it. Um, you're just more familiar with the lore, so I thought I'd give you the stage. Yeah, so this entire scene is just truly, as you said, just the insights, and we've talked about this many times before, the infighting of the Empire is <laughs> it's kind of the one of the most interesting aspects of all of star wars i would say and yeah it's uh, but as as always it's the people who don't show up that you're most excited about but of course they don't show up because they're going they're like too big for the party here and you know i feel like definitely thron is going to be saved up for the ahsoka show so maybe maybe we'll see him next episode very briefly but that's about it um, but yeah, the whole back and forth, as you said, the factions and um, yeah, just the warlordiness of of all of it was certainly super interesting. Um, and finally, finally, stuff happens, as you said. So very happy about that. Uh, and yeah, the, the like long live the empire chants at the end were just a little bit weird. Um, 
I mean, totally makes sense, but it's also like, ugh, <laughs> really, we're doing this. Um, it's like, because it's especially weird during like the equivalent of a FaceTime call to like start chanting something. Um, but maybe that's just me. That's how I end all of my Zoom calls. What are you talking about? With with long live the empire? Yes. Or with just chance in general. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. I don't know how you're rolling. Uh, no. um, so <laughs> next up, we come to Navarro, where, as Grief Karga explains to the audience stand-in of his droid, it's not the Empire that is suddenly ar- arriving, but it's the Mandalorian fleet. And they uh, meet up with the members of the Covert at their camp. And there's this like half standoff motion that is obviously signaling things to come. Um, All of the tensions between the two groups and the few intermediaries they have. Um, Yeah, just a quick introductory scene. It was pretty impressive. I thought to see the, like this, uh, the extent of the, or rather the size of the fleet. It was much bigger than I thought though most of them were just one-person fighters, I think, and just one bigger ship, but still pretty impressive. And yeah, just, you know, again, indicative of what's to come with the tension. And yeah, what do you think about this one? I love just my my, my biggest kind of takeaway is more this how it looks cool. <laughs> I felt like the ships are <laughs> yeah. really interesting here. I think that they found this new way of shooting the ships from underneath where you have this like really big, massive ship and it does seem like an actual imperial star cruiser here but it's just a light cruiser obviously but it just seems mm-hmm. so foreboding and i i mean obviously the armor steps in to diffuse the tension and it seems to show her um weight she throws her weight around quite a much quite a bit in this episode and i'm just really just makes me interested to see what the role is for the armor and i have maybe some theories about that or there are theories about that floating around the internet that we'll talk about a little in mm-hmm. a in another scene if that's okay uh, but for now, it's all good. You know, these are all happy people. Bo-Katan's going to lead them all. <laughs> How long do you think did it take them to like spray paint the Mythosol logo onto the cruiser, though? So much time. So much time. <laughs> I My headcanon is that they had it flying and then they all went with their little jetpacks underneath to like spray paint it. 100%, but the jetpacks, yeah. yeah, but the jetpacks run out of gas so easily mm-hmm. right so that they have to go back and refuel and go back down and go back up and refuel and go back down and conceivably not all of them are artists so you only have a few of them doing it such a long time mm-hmm. well i mean only one of them has to draw the outline i i'm sure the people who you know are less skilled can just color in you know as long as they don't overstep their have you their seen lines. people like me coloring chris it's hard to stay in the lines. I wouldn't trust myself. <laughs> we should we should do that sometime. I want to now. I want to see you color in things. That can, <laughs> that's great for an audio medium as well. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So the next scene, uh, <laughs> the next scene is basically uh, Grogu getting his mech suit of IG twelve, walking around in the corpse of your previous friend and protector. Yeah. So cool. It's it's really really, you know, really not weird. <laughs> uh, but Grogu enjoys it, especially the voice controls which are just yeses and noes. <clears throat> but again, he ha- suddenly has more agency and 
Din is kind of struggling with especially Grogu's mobility, but also his talking back at uh, Din and having his own voice now. That was so cute. And actually a really creative mm -hmm. way to give Grogu some more agency because the big question that we always had is that how are they going to advance Grogu from just being a MacGuffin who can't do anything or walk to actually have some sort of voice? And now we have mm -hmm. him with the voice of Taika Waititi saying yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great little like nugget there. And it, I think it's a really smart way to do it. And it makes me you know, interested to see how they're going to further make Grogu an agent in this show, not just like an object. Mm -hmm. Especially if he maybe ever faces off against Moff Gideon. That'd be interesting. Like saving, uh, saving Din some way. If the season ends with Grogu force choking Moff Gideon until he dies, <laughs> oh I would be God. so happy. <laughs> wow, that'd be pretty dark, though. Uh <laughs> He's not a Jedi. He can do it. That's true. That's true. Um, also, yeah, where did he learn that? That's kind of concerning. Anyway, uh, I think we've talked about that previously. Um, so they have a little campfire here gathering. And Bo asks for volunteers to establish a base on Mandalore. And of course, uh, all of the familiar faces volunteer, including the armorer, which was pretty surprising. Uh, and a few unknown people, but I guess you've got to have cannon fodder. So <laughs> there's that. And so basically what seemed like the entire fleet goes to Mandalore, right? Is that, that was my perception anyway. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're totally going to establish a presence on Navarro. Ha, <laughs> kidding. Okay, thanks. Bye. Yeah, that's actually a good point. And now where's the protectors for Navarro? The pirates are just going to come straight back. And yeah, so they come to Mandalore and I have to say the entire, like, just the design of Mandalore, the effects, how it just looks so beautiful. Really loved it. Also, the soundtrack in this episode was amazing. Um, just throughout, but it was on Mandalore where I really noticed, noticed it. Um, and so, yeah, the, as you as you mentioned previously, they're trying to make the way their way to the forge and come across some Mandalorian survivors somehow who were apparently captured and tortured for a long time. And at first I thought that they are for sure Imperial spies. But apparently not. I don't know. Maybe we'll we'll get to hear about that in the future. But it was kind of weird. And there was, uh, again, some antagonism and, yeah, just, just some back and forth. And obviously adding to the lore here of what happened. And, um, yeah, later on, uh, this is kind of going on longer. But, like, Bo admits to surrendering mandalore to moff gideon to save the lives of its inhabitants and then being fucked over by gideon of course and so that was kind of an interesting scene because just before the, the like mandalorian survivors had told how they believed in in her and that she would never give them up and then she's like uh actually i totally did um of course for reasons that we can all understand but it was kind of i don't know i thought they glanced over that a little bit i would have liked to seen more emotional impact on part of the jedi uh, jedi oh my god the mandalorian survivors uh but i guess they're not really important is what i got from that uh yeah i don't know how what do you make of all of this 
Yeah, that's why I didn't like that scene in particular. Uh, what's the added value of her doing this? Yeah, okay, she talks about her grief or whatever, and her failures in a different way, and it kind of redefines how she speaks about stuff. But there's no emotional resonance to that. There's no emotional consequences to her claiming this, and not at this point. So I thought they would. It's just there's no nuance with this show in some ways, and this is the the part of the show where I find there's a lacking uh interest here or lacking interest in to make things more interesting or detailed or thoughtful and it just seems that they take the first idea in their head write it down and then move on without actually thinking about the consequences of what they're revealing with each character so i was a little bit frustrated with these this part here despite it looking beautiful for sure the glass the reflection the sunlight all that is gorgeous uh, but once we get to these Mandalorians and the conversation at the table, not a huge fan. I just kind of like meh, kind of eye rolly to me, but not bad, but not great in my mind. Yeah, and just the way they're talking about it, it was just not. It just didn't land. I here is here is a point where maybe a flashback would have been better, honestly, or just better writing, of course. But give us a flashback over this stupid scene. Uh, like 10 times out of 10 yeah i feel like this show just i want only the thing is this show doesn't have the quality to give me political intrigue and interesting stuff mm -hmm. like that it just should be a fun ride with grogu and din and give me some extra lore stuff and lead to something with ahsoka and thrawn that's all i want from this show and stop giving me mediocre Mandalorian politics, which is not thought through. Yeah. Give me interesting Mandalorian politics. The, for example, the Clone Wars arcs with the Mandalorian stuff, so much more interesting yeah. than this. And so much better with Satine and the Death Watch and Maul, spoiler alert, and all these other things. Like, <laughs> it's it, That was so much more thought through than this. And I don't know why that's the case. And why are they taking uh, like shortcuts here and not making it as interesting as yeah. it should be? Yeah, it's weird. Maybe maybe it is just because, you know, Jan F John Favreau was more involved in writing this than Dave Filoni is. And um, also in terms of direction, you know, Rick from Weaver returns, who is great at shooting action scenes, which is why he's appropriate as the director of this episode. But the rest of it was just kind of not there sort of and i mean that's not his fault it's definitely the writing but it's just indicative of the kind of what john favreau perceived the core of this episode to be which was action and yeah it's just don't have them there then like if you're not going to do anything with them just don't have them there and yeah that's just a little bit infuriating Maybe we're missing something. Maybe something's going to come in the future, but this is how we feel right now because it doesn't make sense at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Then we get Bo just talking about, you know, how strong Mandalore used to be and my, you know, quote in the beginning about how the thing that was always their downfall was division. And, you know, obviously also a subplot in this episode about the divisions within the mandalore or amongst the mandalorians with the two camps here that we also see on the on the ship later uh between Vizla and the uh i forget his name the former leader that um that Bo defeated um after like some sort of chess game or whatever 
Oh, you're talking about Axe Wolves? Axe Wolves. There you go. Another stupid Star Wars name. Um, so I definitely want to talk about that kind of conflict, even though, you know, just, again, very uninspired. It's happening. We get a scene of Bo saying it was inevitable that it was going to happen. Just let it play out. But the best thing about this, obviously, is that Grogu intervenes and stops the two from murdering each other. But... What happens before that is also super interesting. So I'm just kind of going to mash all of that together. Is the armorer leaves with the wounded uh, and thus taking the only transport off world, uh, which was uh, definitely noticeable. But also from what I, I... I feel like I kind of didn't pay attention for a second and suddenly didn't swore fealty to Bo. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's about right. Well, that's certainly interesting and kind of goes to our yeah, our theory that the meaning behind the title of this show, The Mandalorian, is shifting away from Din and towards Bo, which, you know, is fine, but please don't please make it more interesting. And yeah, just all of that, you know, swearing fealty, the armor leaving, and the inevitable fight between the two sort of camps. Uh, do you did you kind of feel the same way that I did, which was meh? No. Do you um, think that Matt, um, Bo should have intervened in the fight? Probably would have been better to intervene. I think that was a little bit of this toxic boys will be boys narrative bullshit. And maybe that was just to give Grogu a chance to shine and to kind of do something. And to show off his mech suit. But yeah, morally speaking, I don't know, probably better to intervene than to have this play out. Because what if one of them kills the other and then you have a revolt and the the two sides are going to do exactly what she said not five minutes ago, which was murder each other. That's exactly my thought. Because I think, okay, yeah, from the writer's perspective, they want Grogu to show off his mech suit. But from Bo-Katan's perspective... She just talked about not fighting and two people are fighting in front of her and she doesn't stop it. That's the silliest mm-hmm. logic that makes no sense uh, to me. So it, yeah, I, I completely don't agree with her not stepping in there. She definitely should have stepped in in my mind. And then when it comes to the armor leaving, this is what we're talking about with this fan theory that's running around out there on the internet. And I need to stop this. I think there is an idea mm-hmm. that, the armorer leaving right before they go down into the caverns is some sort of sign that the armorer is a spy for Moff Gideon. And I think that's a terrible idea. I don't understand where that's coming from. And this idea that she, she knew that what was coming and she was like, all right, I'm a peace out with these people. And then also she is going to go back to the ship and sabotage the ship and make it easier for Moff Gideon's crew (laughs) to attack. I mean, uh-huh. that would surprise me, uh, but I don't think that would be a smart decision because I don't think they've written the character that way and the motivations of the character for survival and for unifying the Mandalorian people and the covert and building and founding the Children of the Watch after Moff Gideon destroyed and killed everyone. It just makes absolutely... I don't think it makes much sense to me uh, to have her be the secret spy because the other kind of question was that the episode is titled the spies but there isn't really any spies in mm-hmm. this show apparently in this episode but the way i interpreted the episode of the title the title episode 
oh, sorry, the episode of the what the title of the episode, I got that right eventually, mm-hmm. was that the that was referencing the Shadow Council and all the different Imperial remnants that are there consistently working together with a spy network of their own. And then you have obviously it opens with uh whatever her name is again in on Coruscant. So I don't think it has to be that's the the admiral or the armor has to be a spy for Moff Gideon. That's a silly idea. I'm not, I'm not on board with that. No, absolutely not. I think as well that what I just said, it was just to get the only ship that the Mandalorians have to go, you know, off, off world is that's the way to get rid of it so that they're basically trapped on the planet. I think that's what was there. Yeah. As you said, that's stupid notion of <laughs> also like if you're following like okay the the thing is called the spies but there are no spies in there so it has to be the armor it's like okay it's then technically it's one spy so why is it plural so i i'm i also definitely interpreted it as being uh, about the shadow council here yeah such a weird theory but they come from uh strange places sometimes theories so next up, the Mandalorians on the land-based ship, which is a weird thing to say, get attacked by a huge creature. But Rashad, what is it not? It is not the Mythosaur, which confused me for a second, but it is not. It is a random other big beast that lives on the underground of Mandalore now. Yeah, right next to the forge, which didn't help the confusion. <laughs> I was also like, what the hell is the Mythosaur doing? But then, yeah, also... Also, what's the point? What's the point? Yeah. Makes no sense. <laughs> God. yeah yeah it's so weird uh it's just again oh we need something to for you know we need some reason for the mandalorians to quickly go underground and be trapped there so we're just gonna have a huge alien creature attack them it's like okay cool but why again why is the first draft why did the first draft make it to the screen <laughs> and yeah, just like they couldn't think of anything better, apparently. But um, yeah, so the um, Mandalorians are trapped and go uh, through the tunnels, making their way to the Great Forge. And those among them, basically the old Mandalorians talk to the covert and telling, yeah, that's what we used to live at, which was kind of a nice scene, kind of also talking about the division still, but it was also kind of enhancing the, i could just see how the view of the covert members just f- was like th- their horizons were suddenly broadened um and suddenly they get attempt by uh, attacked by a lot of imperial soldiers with i wasn't quite sure whether it was only gideon who shows up later um, or those soldiers as well who have part partly Beskar armor, but they seem to be a little bit sturdier, definitely have a different design to the regular Stormtroopers, which was interesting. Probably just Moff Gideon's personal uh, guards or just soldiers, I suppose. Um, and we have this huge fight scene, which was pretty cool. A lot of jetpack action, once again. A lot of the various Mandalorian weapons and techniques and tactics um with some losses on their sides huge losses on the imperial side and at some point the mandalorians decide that attack is the best defense so they just shoot their way out 
and find an imperial base what do you think of that whole battle sequence and the kind of the base reveal and then the am ambush that followed that's a lot um to yeah. go over but just to clarify um they were wearing beskar alloy everyone was wearing beskar alloy and that's mm -hmm. the point of moff gideon being on mandalore and that's why the shadow council when they were talking talked about how mandalorians taking over mandalore again would be troublesome because they're building an army with beskar using the best mining the beskar out of mandalore which is why in the in the ambush at the end um moff gideon says to them basically your planet's resources we will utilize it or whatever whatever so when they're talking about this yeah. the 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 troopers that are there and it is unclear whether or not they are clones of some kind or what's going on because they don't see their heads at all um mm -hmm. they are all wearing beskar alloy not pure beskar because pure beskar is so rare and basically only din has that at this point but beskar mm -hmm. alloy for sure that's strong enough to withhold blaster fire as you can see and you have to be basically attack them at the neck or um, in the vulnerable spots of the armor to get them. Yeah, or use your flamethrowers or choke them to death with your little, like, uh, grappling hook thingy. Yeah, or vibroblade. There's a lot of ways, but you have yeah. to be more... <laughs> they're a lot more difficult at this point. They're level two stormtroopers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. Yeah, so the... Um, I, I don't know. I thought that was a decent action scene with some stakes. Yeah, it was really good. It was really fun to watch. I think that was really well done. Like, I think uh, the best directed part of this episode was that action sequence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, going back to my previous point about, you know, the director was chosen for this sort of scene. Um, yeah, and it was kind of surprising that they found this huge base suddenly that Din and Bo had somehow missed in their earlier explorations, which was kind of weird to me. Uh, maybe it was just a different part of the forge that they were in this time, but it kind of seemed weird to me that, you know, there was this whole thing that the two of them missed earlier. I guess it's not that strange because it is a big planet and they just walk down the wrong corridor. They won't see it. Um, it does explain mm -hmm. where those bombers and TIE fighters came from earlier in episode whatever, three or four. I forget that what that was. Or was that two? That was two. I don't remember. Uh, but, oh no, that was episode three. God, these All these things like, really start yeah. blending together at this point. But yeah, that's where they came from. And it's not that surprising to me, but it is a huge base. So what <laughs> <laughs> yep and we have moff gideon showing up in his own sort of armored suit which and and a helmet which i just thought was pretty tacky <laughs> to be honest with you i mean he's wearing mandalorian armor that's the whole point and mandalorian armor is not complete yeah. without a helmet so it makes sense that they're all wearing mandalorian armor the stormtroopers and then moff gideon yeah, but it's, uh, what was it? Like the first time tragedy, second time farce. It, I totally see how they're kind of what they're trying to implement. But uh, again, it's just it's just derivative as an art critic would say. Isn't this whole thing derivative? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, uh, <laughs> so yeah, they, <laughs> they get ambushed uh, and Din specifically gets kind of trapped um you know then Gideon shows up dark kind of dark trumor-esque armor 
um, launches an attack on the Mandalorian fleet, which we don't see, so we don't know how that's going to end. Um, and <laughs> Moff Gideon says to his troops to take Din, quote unquote, to the briefing debriefing room, which was nice, um, a nice metaphor for some torture chamber that they have, or like another way to fry his brain, I suppose. Um, and we have, uh, you know, all of the rest of the Mandalorians trapped uh, at first. And uh, then Bo uses the Darksaber that she has now. Remember, everybody, she has the Darksaber now uh, to cut it out. And Vizsla sacrifices himself so the others can escape. That was a kind of cool sacrifice. Uh, yeah. I didn't know that Paz Vizsla was a much better fighter than Din Djarin because Din Djarin couldn't take out any of the stormtroopers. And then <laughs> Paz Vizsla took them all out. I think that was a little yeah. bit strange power scaling here. I was also surprised that um, Grogu didn't use the force at all or try to use the force to stop them from taking yep. Din Djarin. That was surprising. And I guess my last point is that we have to see Pedro Pascal's face next week, right? Because there's no <laughs> canonical reason why they should keep his helmet on during torture yeah. slash debriefing, right? A hundred percent. I would be so disappointed. And I'm sure that Pedro Pascal now has a clause in his contract that they have to show his face because he's uber famous right now. Um, or as people would say, he's so hot right now. So true. But that also means that he doesn't have to show up if they never show his face. That's true. He just has to record his his dialogue, I suppose. Um, I really liked. Uh, I mean, we've see, we've heard it a million times before, but when uh, Vizsla is sacrificing himself, he tells Bo that this is the way, and it absolutely is. But this scene could have been better if both of their performances would have not been a hundred percent unemotional because I thought the dialogue in this scene was so like devoid of any emotion. And again, just super underwhelming. Absolutely. I agree. And it's, you can say that, Oh, because they have helmets on, they're not going to be emotional, but no, like Pedro Pascal, when mm -hmm. he's Din Djarin in so many ways in the first season was able to emote and show so much feeling through such little, just through body motion and dialogue and, this just doesn't have that, unfortunately. Yeah, it's really sad. But um, you know what's not sad was the reveal at the end. What actually does Vizsla in are three red guards that are obviously in a direct line to the throne room scene in episode eight um, with um, what's-his-face who gets cut in half. I already, already forgot his name who is also a clone snoke yes snoke thank you very much but uh yeah absolutely like super surprised to see those guys here but also very delighted because i kind of am intrigued by these people well they teased it earlier in the episode when hux was talking about moff gideon requesting three praetorian guard and that's what they are they are the praetorian uh, guard in star wars of yeah. course yeah it all goes back to the shadow council <laughs> it truly does which is like like you know three of those is like probably the equivalent in empire terms of jedi i suppose uh so i mean they are uber fighters apparently uh so yeah interesting end to the episode and 
obviously we have one more episode this season next week and yeah i i expect a face reveal some torture and interrogation of din and some rescue mission but what else will come i don't know do you have any ideas no idea i think the question for me is can this last episode redeem the entire season and i don't think so but you never know they could surprise us with something incredible and that's what i'm looking forward to yeah i i was just thinking maybe there's going to be some fight between the praetorian guards and Bo with her dark saber and some dark saber shenanigans and i'm all here for that grogu with the dark saber charge <laughs> yeah with the with his new mech suit a hundred percent i would love that give me more grogu <laughs> always but uh yeah unless you do you have anything else yes 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 <laughs> yes 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 yeah well i guess we'll see what's going to come next week i'm so pumped to see it and to talk to you about it Rashad um dear listener i hope you've enjoyed this episode thank you so much for listening make sure again to subscribe and for Rashad i'm chris and talk to you next time bye